So, so welcome to the podcast, Smarten Up with JP and Fab. Today we're going to be talking to uh, Kevin Kellner, um, shred expert, I guess I can say. Yes. Um, I've known Kev since, uh, uh, for how long, 20 years? Yeah, 2003, yeah. 2004. Uh, funny story, uh, we went and did a kegger <laughs> and uh, he fell asleep one night on the couch, that party, and I tabasco his lips and he got so mad. <laughs> Thanks for reminding me of that. You're welcome. I'll get, I have hot sauce in the car. Yeah, Kev's from uh, T-Bay, he's a Thunder Bay representative. That's right. And uh, I've been back there with you guys, what, how many times, two or three? Yeah, two or three now, yeah. yeah. So yeah. we're going to be talking about shred. Uh, we're going to let Fab kind of lead this one because uh, it's a bit more technical. Sure. So uh, shred, why don't you explain what shred is or the scientific research experimental development program, sure. which is essentially administered by the CRA. That's right. So uh, the shred program is it's, uh, proverbially called or the scientific research and experimental development tax credit program. So uh, it's been around in Canada now for like uh, probably 45 or 50 years. The rules of the program haven't really changed that much. Uh, they have some revamped uh, kind of uh, things that are quite technical, the changes they made through 2012 and stuff like this. But uh, in a nutshell, it's a tax credit that's available for uh, companies big and small in Canada that are operating uh, Canadian controlled private corporations and also public cor uh, corporations to uh, get a tax credit to support their innovation and development in Canada. So the, uh, the mainstay of the program is that it supports Canadian businesses and the types of expenditures which are eligible for the program are uh, any money that you're spending on uh, payroll employees who are doing the work. Uh, if you're subcontracting uh, uh, um, uh, subcontractors that are Canadian to help you with that shred program. And also uh, for uh, mechanical or scientific clients, uh, you can also cover material expenses that are eligible. So any types of materials that you're consuming or transforming during the experimental process. So let, let's go back. When you say this is a tax credit, I mean, this is, this is actual cash in hand though. Yeah, so depending on the, this type of client, so uh, mo for most clients that are Canadian controlled private corporations, they are uh, cash refundable credit. So um, it actually comes back at an enhanced tax credit rate. So it's larger um, than uh, publicly traded companies or foreign owned companies. So if you, have, uh, if you have a small business in Canada and you're starting up and doing a lot of R&D, it's more advantageous to be that type of company because if you're spending money on uh, on R&D, then you're able to get back, uh, let's call it 60% on eligible payroll and 40% uh, on eligible expenditures for materials and subcontractors. Whereas for public companies or foreign-owned companies, they're only getting back a tax credit, which is not cash, and it's much lower. It's about 30% for payroll and 15 to 18% uh, for materials and subcontractors. And that's applicable to taxes payable in the current year or in the future? That's right. Okay. That's right. So the tax credits can be applied, if you're a first-time claimant, back two years, mm -hmm. or they can be carried forward 20 years if you don't need them. But if you do need them, obviously the government takes their cut first. Um, they, they have uh, application to your uh, outstanding taxes owed first, and then the rest of it, uh, if you're refundable, you get that cash back. If you're non-refundable, then that gets carried forward. Can, so, we, can we run this in an example? Because yeah. This is a, this is a technical, it, this is a very dry topic. Yeah. Um, and, and I just want people to understand, and it's a technical topic. Yeah. I just want people to be able to apply this. So let's say I have a business. I'm starting a new business and I'm designing, uh, upper, I, have, I built a new product, okay? Or I'm going to start building this product. 
Um, I'm going to have operation <coughs> costs. I'm going to have marketing costs, all of this. But I'm also going to have the cost of developing the, the product itself. Where is the money? Where do I get my money here? How do I get it? Out? Okay, that's great. So the scope of the, the shred claim really lies in the development and the technical and engineering aspects of the work that's being done. So um, a lot of the expenses which you would think would be uh, qualified for product development, like requirements gathering and, and, and stuff like this, those kind of, and quality assurance, and those kind of lie outside of the scope of this. So um, that's like outside of it. So it, the more technical aspects of the claims, you would really look at um, engineering cost, uh, people who are doing software development, they're software developers, architects, people who are doing testing, um, and like the first level of project management, basically. So they're extremely technical uh, costs. It's not so much uh, anything related to uh, conceptualization or just uh, um, spitballing issues in, in some head office somewhere. It's about really when uh, the work starts to get done in relation to experimentation and developing the product, where the engineers are taking over. Okay, and this is for enhancing a current product on market or developing a brand new product to come to market. That's that right. falls within the scope of their guideline. That's right. So, so it's anything that has to do with related to, to coming, overcoming obstacles or challenges in improving uh, or, or making new uh, products or processes. Okay, and why does it exist? Uh, well, it's, it's an incentive for, for Canadians to take on those tasks for innovation, right? There's, uh, there's only so much that, uh, that you can do with uh, known tools and methods and technologies out there. And it's hard work to actually get down into the, um, uh, the brass tacks and, and get your hands dirty and actually figure out new knowledge, right? This right. is what the program is, is paying you for. So the government is, is fun. This is their way to fund innovation for Canadian, for Canada. Yeah, that's right. Exactly. Okay. So yeah, it's a, it's a huge incentive to, uh, employ, uh, uh, uh employees in Canada uh, to subcontract Canadian labor and uh, it's one of the most generous programs across the world actually so I think the closest competitor to a program like this potentially would be like a France or uh, a Germany I think but most other places don't have as advantageous of a program especially with the cash uh, okay. cash refund what so if I, let's say I'm a software company and I'm developing developing a, a software uh, that's new to market um, if I go out and hire US uh, workers or consultants, um, they don't qualify. That's right. So, okay. so if you, you know, you're a Canadian company, you've hired offshore uh, development. Unfortunately, those expenses won't qualify. But if those offshore laborers are working also with uh, lo a local team here, where you do have some engineering labor or some technical labor, which are part of that project, you can still claim the local uh, developers or engineers. It's just okay. unfortunate that any offshore labor is not uh, not in scope for the program. So now one of the things I wanted to clarify is we, we were talking about product and the product does not necessarily have to be a physical product, right? It could also be, um, let's say, an intellectual product like a piece of software, right? But what about things like financial products? Uh, you know, a new type of a mortgage, right? Or a new type of insurance product or a new type of mutual fund product, right? Are these types of innovations and these types of products uh, available or is it only, let's say, the back end side developing, a, a, I don't know, like an AI for that industry? Okay. Yeah. You, you bring up an, a common question. So a lot of this is like this business innovation, as you would call it, and it may be a new and novel 
approach in that specific area of business or that industry with respect to mortgages or financial services or something like this. But at, at the basis of it, there needs to be some research and development aspect of it, which is technology based. So you could have some very difficult um, business logic or business processes, but it's how the, the key question is how you solve those problems in a new way with technology in order to um, advance the, the state of the, the body of the industry. So um, it, it is, like you said, it's at the beginning, it is complex, but if you're, having, if you're having hard business logic problems and hard business process issues, there's probably some indication that you're going to tackle those with engineering or technology. And it's always worth a discussion to talk about how the technology is being used and how is it being changed in order to solve those problems. Right. And from from this particular perspective, what are you finding, you know, anecdotally, obviously we don't have the stats, but anecdotally, what are you finding are the most successful claims at the moment? What industries, because I know um, we've worked together so many times and we've done in the medical industry um, claims, we've done claims uh, software, we've done it in uh, manufacturing. Where are you seeing the most action? And the most opportunity. Um, there's definitely a lot of opportunity um, in uh, the software development area. So any anyone who has some type of product development or, or software development where they're they're doing something beyond just the routine web design, um, you know, web uh, web development, application development, etc. Um, those ones should typically be a, an ongoing claim each year because they're, they're you're all as engineers they're they're modest people but they're always solving problems all the time. You know, there's there's a hundred types of different open source tools and third party components which software developers have access to, but they're not all built to work together. So mm-hmm. there's always things that, that that come up where there there will be some innovation they need to take place, and uh, and that's a, been a very good uh, source of uh, <coughs> funding for for these types of companies. Okay, uh, other types of uh, fields which are are lucrative right now with respect to them get, getting money back from the government, like you said, are uh, medical professionals. So uh, medical professional corporations uh, are a bit tricky because they do have to um, ensure that, and that's what we can help with, uh, to sort of ensure that you're only claiming the costs which are eligible for your medical professional corporation. Um, uh, the reason that is is because they do a lot of collaboration projects with other hospitals and universities and other doctors. So we have to ensure that those, those types of claims can be um, kind of uh, cordoned off in relation to who owns what with, with uh, what they purchased or what, uh, what services they purchased and, and what payroll they paid, um, but also the intellectual property. So who owns that intellectual property at the end of the day? So, you know, you could have a doctor who's related to uh, a, a university uh, and also uh, doing research with a, a third party uh, a clinic, um, but we have to ensure that we know who owns the IP at the end of the day so that we can uh, cordon off those expenses properly. So that's another one where we've seen a lot of success as well. Okay. And and my understanding is manufacturing is kind of coming down? Yeah, the manufacturing is uh, is kind of cooled off in the last couple um, years, I would say. There's still a lot of things that are related to advanced manufacturing processes and whatnot. Um, but you're trying to, that in, in those cases, you're trying to blur the um, the, the boundaries in between manufacturing and really sci- uh, software technologies and information technology. So there's there's a there's a blurring where there's a couple industries in. Uh, okay. So then, uh, software development, medical innovation, right? Yeah, any type of health health tech, healthcare tech. Right. Um, um, 
clearly developing a piece of technology like a like a you know physical product yeah any right? type of product development right that's where we're looking at so you know from this particular perspective if you run a company a private company incorporated right and you're doing any type of that activity you may want to take a look into this because you could be leaving money on the table right? exactly yeah and there's lots of uh just to mention from an industry basis too like since uh, cannabis is now legal in canada there's a lot of cannabis companies now which are which are no longer dealing in the gray area realm you know they've they've legitimized and legalized and, and they've got lots of engineering and scientific work going on behind the uh behind the, the scenes which is which is bringing new products and processes into the fray now and so that's like growing different strains like they're they're collecting shred to grow different types of weed yeah exactly so not even just growing it but that's awesome yeah so you went even... from going getting arrested for this shit to, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> to getting paid that's amazing yeah. that's amazing so, so not even yeah. just not even just growing it but cultivating it what type of so- soil science like different types of uh, uh lighting lighting applications and and processing as well All right. So there's a there's a million and one applications that you can really do once once you actually have the the, the cannabis or thc or cbd um extracted from the the plant so what do you do with it now? Do you turn it into a drink? Do you turn it into a spray? Do you turn it into some type of gum? Like all those, and that and that, and that really blends the the field with food manufacturing too. So you know any type of food sciences and and life sciences that are it really with the the um, with the cannabis and and CBD and, and THC is sort of blending together. As long as there's some type of life scientist that's uh, uh, doing research on that team, you know, potentially there could be some eligibility there. That's awesome. Yeah. What about uh, what about segregating this within? I mean, there has to be numbers component to this because that's you're saying it's it's part salaries, it's part uh, manufacturing. It's there's money to be made, but how do you track this? Like, is this where you come in? Yeah. So it, it is it is arduous to um, uh, kind of ensure that there's enough support documentation to ensure that the CRA gets what they want. So, um, you know, they're going to be giving you this generous refund at the end of the year. You should consider them probably one of your clients because they have needs too, which really is, do you satisfy the eligibility criteria of the program and do you have the support documentation we need? So some of the things that we try to assist our clients with is to to ensure that they have proper timesheets where project names and task categories are involved. Um, We can suggest different types of uh, um, AI and machine learning tools and timesheet tracking systems, which are available. We don't have any of our own, but we do have partners who can assist with those things. And as well as sort of keeping track of different types of technical documentation. So any type of engineering specs, versions of prototypes, different types of drawings, etc. All those things are really uh, needed to try to defend a, a claim. If you're, if you're try- you have to think about it with respect to creating new intellectual property or IP. So if you're going to um, try to apply for a patent, um, what would you need in order to justify that that patent can be approved? So you need different types of drawings and specs and stuff like this. So, so you need to write something down. The government doesn't tell you uh, exactly how you should write it down, but they tell you you need to, do, you need to write something down. So we can assist the, uh, any of our clients with uh, a guidance on how to best document the work to make a bulletproof uh, uh, SR&ED claim. Cool. Perfect. Yeah. Well, I don't want to get too technical on it. I mm-hmm. just want to—I want people to be able to identify if their business may be um, uh, may be a candidate for the yeah. program, right? And if they are a candidate for the program, you can go back what eighteen months. 
Yeah, exactly. So it goes back to the previous fiscal year. Um, so there's an 18 month rule where you're able to make a filing for the last fiscal year up to 18 months after the end of the year. So uh, for example, the, the December 31st, 2020 period, um, those ones were, were due, I'm sorry, those ones will be due at the end of uh, June 30th, 2022. So we can capture the entire, all the activities that happened and you paid for between January 1st to December 31st, 2020, and uh, January 2021, all the way to December 2021. We can file those up to at least June 30th, 2022. So you and, have two years. And I think an important thing to know here is, is how, how shred consultants are compensated. Ah, okay. So um, generally, we like to work on a contingency or success fee basis. Mm -hmm. So... Um, there's a it's a very attractive model in our industry. A lot of uh, consult consulting firms employ that model. Um, that ensures that it's a success fee basis. We only apply a percentage of whatever tax credit the company is getting back at the end of their assessment. So we'll be working with you for at least one or one and a half years, really, before you even see uh, an invoice from us. So we're always on the clock. You can use us, our services as much as possible. And hopefully once that assessment takes place, then we would issue our invoice. So that's typically the, the, uh, the, the payment model for, for this type of industry. Um, in the event that clients are much larger, so uh, if your shred claims start to exceed 500, $600,000, $700,000 a year, that percentage model really doesn't make sense. Um, we want to share risk with you. So uh, we could potentially work out some type of uh, flat fee or engagement fee or retainer that makes sense because you know if you start paying a shred consultant more than 100 grand a year why don't you just go out and hire someone full-time right right so the benefits of having us on on retainer is to you know we have expertise we've been around for for 12 12 years now i guess uh and we've seen it all so why not uh, get us at a lower rate than an fte and um you're getting the best work then. so right perfect. and and for for some of these i mean for some of these software companies i think that's probably the one that that to me sounds the most appealing is because like you mentioned they're constantly updating so there's a constant shred claim that would because so when you're getting it year one which i will talk about in a minute i think there's always an audit in year one um but you're constantly getting a shred claim after that as long as work is being done yeah exactly so so it's it's based on the yeah, money you're spending again so year one normally is uh uh the CRA has a, they have to adjudicate all the claims and it, everyone reads, everyone reads through the claims on the first year. So there's two things that can happen. You can either have a full blown audit if there's a high risk, uh, if it's a high risk filing and there's many things that can trigger that, but we won't go over that today. But the other thing that can happen is you have a low risk filing and the CRA wants to have something called the first time claim advisory session. So basically that's just a training session so that they can uh, see you now with COVID it's over uh, WebEx, but um, see, see you, learn about your company, know that you're going to comply with the program. They give a training process, uh, basically recovering any information that we give our clients prior to doing the filing. And uh, then after that uh, first time claim advisory session, the, um, uh, the file is assessed on the first year. So okay. as, long as, you're, as long as you're spending money on payroll or subcontractors from a software development standpoint uh, in the first year, then you should be eligible to file a claim. And then moving forward, that's where we would help you uh, advise on how to improve your documentation systems. If the CRA decides to uh, audit your file in the second year, then we provide full service uh, audit review and training and, and, uh, and, and assistance and whatnot to best coach you through that audit process because it can become pretty arduous. So 
you know, uh, administering the communication process, et cetera. Uh, we'd rather do more of that for you. But at the end of the day, the CRA wants to hear from the proverbial horse's mouth. So, right. you know, they, I, I can't speak on behalf of you. I'm not a lawyer, but you know, they're going to, I'm going to coach you through the process. So that's kind of it. Uh, two, two other things that I think, uh, should be noted on this. I mean, um, the government allocates a certain amount of money to the pool every year. Is that correct? Um, not necessarily. Oh, so okay. yeah, so the, there's actually not a cap on the program. Right. So there's a lot of grants out there which uh, um, have a cap because there's only a certain amount of money the government can print for that program each year, right? And then you know you get in line. It's less advantageous because there could be already 50 people ahead of you in line, and they have lots of uh, um, uh, attractive projects that they want to fund. When it's finally your turn to get uh, assessed, they say, "Too bad, so sad. There's no money left." So the shred program is the opposite. So it's based on a percentage uh, of um, money that you're spending. So there's no upper limit on the criteria that you can actually spend because it doesn't matter if you decide to pay your uh, engineers $50,000 a year or $200,000 a year. Right. It just depends on if they're actually doing eligible work. So, okay. right. so there is no cap on the program. So and if you think about it, yeah, if you think about it logically, you're, you're spending money on, on people in Canada withholding tax on and on their salaries then you're getting the shred money and that shred money is taxable so net net to the government you know they're getting tax on both ends i guess they can scale it up if you're doing adequate uh adequate work right that is that is um (coughs) furthering their their policy of increasing technology and science and whatnot in canada ultimately it's could be unlimited yeah yeah exactly and that just goes back to the fact that that all different sizes of companies are eligible for this so it just depends on the refundability so if it's cash back or a tax credit refund but you know um, the sky's the limit basically so as a total over all companies in Canada last year during COVID there was just over 21 I think it was between 20 and 21,000 that made claims uh, and I think there was upwards of almost 3.8 to $4 billion given away to those companies. I was just going to ask you, do we know the approval rating on this? Uh, yeah. So typically last year it was really high because uh, the CRA had work at home orders and frankly, they didn't know how to work at home. And I don't think they knew how to audit from home. So there mm-hmm. was a lot of, uh, a lot of uh, assessments as filed, even for first time claimants. Mm-hmm. But now the uh, reviews are starting to happen more often. So uh, the last uh, red book numbers that we share with the shred industry basically is, uh, you know, you can probably count on an audit maybe uh, every every five years to seven years, uh, 20% chance of having a review. And in those files that get reviewed, probably a reduction or a decrease in expenditures average around 25 to 35%. Right. It could be more, it could be less, but that's that's kind of what the, the CRA is averaging. So obviously, if the CRA reviews files, they're going to be scraping back at some of the, the expenditures that are claimed. But hopefully, we've done our diligence and, and looked at all of the expenditures, and, and we try to file claims that are as fair as possible. Right. So, right. But those are kind of the generally the, the most common numbers right now is around. And, and for, for someone who has a company where they're like, I don't know if I qualify, uh, this sounds like a hassle, you know, what's your advice to them? Uh, advice always is to just have a discussion with us. We can size up the quantification of your claim pretty easily and also the quantification. So just have a brief, uh, discussion around technology development, when things happen, 
what exactly happened. And, uh, um, you know, if we can figure out if it's worth it. So if it's, uh, if the payback is going to be X on a certain number of expenditures and, and you want to go ahead with that, then that's great. If not, then we just say, okay, maybe check back next year, or at least we've educated the, the excuse me, client on, uh, the limitations, <coughs> excuse me, the limits of the program. And, um, you know, they can make a decision in the future year. Yeah, I mean, I think that that covers the that covers yeah. the basics, right? I don't want to get too technical into it, but I think the the takeaway, at least in my my mind, is you know you're developing some software, you're doing some medical research, you're building product that requires science engineering, you know, and you're putting money into this. You have people, you're putting money into Canadians to do it. That's when you should start looking into the Shred program, right? And you you know you got to make sure you have your documentation. Um, the entire application goes through the T2 or the, through the corporate tax churn, and That's it's right. administered by the CRA. They're probably going to review it in year one, but then after that, it's what? 20% chance of an auditor review. Right. And you could be, if you have projects going all the time, you could be getting money all every single year. That's right. right? That's right. Yeah. It's, it's yeah. the, it's the best benefit and bang for your buck for any Canadian business, which is trying to, um, boost its, uh, its own engineering efforts. Right. Okay. Perfect. Yeah. Awesome. Good. Thanks, Thanks for coming man. in, Kev. No I think uh, yeah. I think we we learned a lot. I think this yeah, is, this it is clarified where, a lot. Yeah, this is one where there's so much money left on the table. Yeah, um, I think it's one of the programs that Canadians know least of. Canadian small business owners know least of. Yeah, um, I know there's a lot of big companies out there that are that are pushing this, but. Um, yeah, thanks for coming in. No problem great. at all. Awesome. Thanks, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Perfect.